Hello, and welcome back to 15 Minutes of Fascism, a sadly topical podcast covering the global rise of the radical right. I'm Dr. Craig Johnson, and with this week's special Tuesday episode, I'm going to be talking about fascism and Christmas. I'm specifically not talking about fascism and the, quote, holidays, like not the winter holidays, specifically because, well, we kind of already know what the Nazis thought about Jewish holidays, and that ended up being the perspective on Judaism and Jewish holidays that most other fascist organizations had and have had after the influence of the Nazi party. Although you might be surprised to learn that fascists and Nazis considered Islam and paganism to be venerable religions in their own right, although, you know, they did consider them lesser than Christianity and Western religions because they thought that they were, you know, warrior religions or something like that, right? Like that was their stereotype. However, fascists also had a very complicated relationship with Christianity, and that is what this episode is going to be primarily about. Starting out by talking about the Italian Fascist Party and its relationship to Christmas. Now, the Italian Fascist Party had an already extremely complicated relationship with Christianity and the Catholic Church. Mussolini was trying to present himself and his party as a counterweight to the power and influence of the Catholic Church in Italy especially because he was trying to create and ground an Italian national identity in something that was not controlled by a, you know, a completely different social political organization, the Catholic Church. Mussolini and the Catholic Church famously engaged in some real hardball diplomacy that severely weakened the Catholic Church's power in the secular realm of Italy. It created the Vatican City. It created the contemporary relationship between the state and the religion of Italy. Mussolini also was trying to shore up Italy's identity as a fascist state, in addition to being one that was ruled by a secular leader himself, Il Duce. So one of the things that he specifically tried to do was to prevent the influence of what he considered to be the Protestant and United Statesian Santa Claus. Mussolini specifically wanted Italians and, you know, young Italians to look forward instead to the arrival of a figure called La Befana, who is an Italian folktale hero figure who is a a woman, a, a female witch, and she arrives on the eve of the Epiphany, which is typically celebrated on January the 5th amongst Christian people. The Epiphany is when the three kings first see Jesus Christ. Uh, that is in the biblical story. That's what happens. That, as in the eve of the Epiphany, the Epiphany is when the Gentiles, as opposed to Jewish people, first encounter Jesus and realize that he is the Son of God, that he is God incarnate. So the Epiphany is an extremely important part of Christianity. Uh, it's an extremely important date in the Christian liturgical calendar, and it coincides with the typical gift-giving date for a lot of Mediterranean civilizations and peoples, including people in Italy, a lot of people in Greece, a lot of people in Spain, and also consequently people in Latin America. And yes, in Italy, the person who brings children the gifts on the eve of the Epiphany are not the three kings, it's not the three magi, it's La Befana. And she is depicted in a sort of stereotypically witch fashion. She is a singular woman wearing a cloak and holding a broom. She brings children small toys and also sweets. Now, Mussolini considered Bafana to be an Italian, Roman, and Catholic, like like not Roman Catholic, but like separately, both a Roman and a Catholic celebration, you know, a, a, a figure for local Italian people, as opposed to, this is his literal quote, as opposed to the globalized alternative, that is Santa Claus. 
Now, La Befana was already a tradition in Italy prior to the ascension of the Italian fascists as the leaders of Italy, and she remains a tradition today. However, it's important to note that Mussolini and the fascists considered her to be a much safer alternative to Santa Claus because of their complicated relationship, like I said, not just with quote-unquote global culture, which they considered to be both too Protestant and too commercialistic, right? They they didn't like Santa Claus because Santa Claus was about selling toys and fascists, at least officially, had a very complicated relationship with the concept of commercialization and capitalism itself. When it comes to the more famous Nazi party and their relationship with Christmas, it is, again, quite complicated. Some of Hitler's earliest speeches as the leader of the Nazi party were about Christ and Christmas. He focused on the quote-unquote blood libel myth. This is a myth prominent among anti-Semites, not just in fascist circles, but throughout history in the European world. The concept of the blood libel is that Jewish people are collectively responsible for Christ's death. That is, they are responsible for the spilling of his blood based on a biblical story related to the death of Jesus. So, you know, this is not Christmas time. This is Easter time. A biblical story that says that Jewish people assembled in the Roman court decided that Jesus would be the one who would be killed for his crimes uh, and that he would be killed alongside a number of others sort of like pettier criminals, right? So the, the, this, this is like the Pontius Pilate as judge, and, you know, he kind of gets let off the hook because Jewish people are blamed. That's the blood libel myth. So Hitler is in this complicated situation, right? He is a German nationalist, so he wants German identity. German identity is deeply tied up in Christianity, obviously. It is also deeply tied up in the celebration of Christmas as we know it in the United States. A lot of the traditions that we consider to be typical Christmas traditions in the Protestant and Catholic parts of the United States are German. For example, uh, the Christmas tree has its origins as the Yule tree in Germany. However, the Nazis were also stymied by the fact that Christmas is literally the celebration of the appearance of a Jewish boy, which was not something that they wanted their followers to celebrate. They thought that Judaism should be removed from their world and that the influences of Judaism should be removed from their world. So what they did was they essentially attempted to remove Christ from Christmas. That is what they were literally trying to do. They did not want Christmas to be the story of a meek, nonviolent Jewish man who toppled the original Reich, you know, the Roman Empire. So, yeah, they were feeling a little complicated about celebrating this particular guy, considering that they were trying to create a new race of angry, violent, and virulent warrior priests who would propagate their terrible, violent ideology across entire continents. Parts of Nazi officialdom took this complicated relationship to Christmas and Christianity to extreme ends. I've already talked in other episodes about the Nazis' relationship to paganism and Christianity in general. With regards to Christmas specifically, some of the Nazis tried to officially secularize Christmas, literally taking the Christ out of Christmas and renaming it Yulfest, as in Yule, like the celebration of the solstice in pagan traditions. Yulefest was an attempt to emphasize Christmas's pagan origins and aspects, like the Christmas tree, like the veneration of fire, such as in the Yule log, or in actually traditional Christmas adornments on Christmas trees, such as lighting candles and stuff like that. 
There were even rewritings of popular Christmas songs and Christmas carols to emphasize these more what they considered to be secular features. Again, we're talking about emphasizing stars, fires, trees, family, and togetherness. A lot of these new versions of Christmas carols are still sung in Germany. Some of them are even still sung in churches in Germany because people have largely forgotten or have been trying to erase their origins because to a lot of people, this is just what Christmas looks like. It's what the practice of Christmas is in a lot of German places and for German-speaking peoples. There were some other more specific bans on the celebration of Christmas in particular ways by the Nazi officials. Specifically, there was a ban on stars as the Christmas tree topper because stars were a very thorny issue for the Germans. Specifically, six-pointed stars were Jewish symbols and therefore obviously not acceptable. And five-pointed stars were related to the USSR and thereby communism. So any star was in, you know, an opening for somebody to be considered an enemy of the state. Instead, German officials encouraged their citizens to adorn their trees with traditional, as in what they considered to be German traditional symbols, such as pagan runes and also the swastika. Many people ignored all of this, of course, and continued to celebrate Christmas exactly as they had before, churches especially. Churches were longtime sites of this, this kind of everyday resistance against the Germans, uh, specifically against the Nazi German state. However, they were also clear collaborators in it because they did not tell their patrons, they did not tell their congregants to stop participating in all state and economic activity entirely in the wake of Nazism. Instead, this was the kind of everyday resistance that enabled people to survive the Nazi regime without laying down their lives in opposition to it. Although some priests did do this, but that is a, that is a story for another time and not specifically related to Christmas. Now that I've talked about this big war on Christmas, I'm going to talk about, at the conclusion of this episode, talk about the quote-unquote war on Christmas. That is a contemporary discourse in the United States specifically, although it does sometimes appear in other Western English-speaking countries such as the United Kingdom or Australia. It's a contemporary discourse by Christian nationalists in the United States to demonize, and I mean that literally, demonize people who aren't Christians. Their claim is that people saying happy holidays or using secular means of celebrating Christmas is an assault on the assumed Christian nature of the United States. They often literally connect these campaigns, mostly led by corporations in the United States, to try to not alienate people who happen to not be Christian. They claim that these campaigns are directly connected to Nazi assaults on Christmas. This is one of the big origin points of people in the United States, specifically right-wing people in the United States, saying that, well, you know, it's the Nazis who are the real socialists. You know, they say stuff like that. The origins of this culture, the origins of this initial slogan, the war on Christmas, come from the John Birch Society, a think tank from the 1950s that still exists today, which originated a lot of right-wing talking points that we still uh, are unfortunately dealing with in the contemporary world. In the 1950s, they were considered to be a pretty fringe and extremist conservative organization, but now their ideology is essentially successful and dominant across the entirety of the right-wing sphere in the United States. So the concept of the quote-unquote war on Christmas originates in a late 50s pamphlet put out by the John Birch Society, which said that the United Nations and other international rulemaking organizations were going to force the United States to not be able to celebrate religious holidays of any kind in any way. 
and that instead they were going to be forced to engage in a fully secular, non-religious, and therefore in their minds, communist celebration of the holiday or just the season in general. The concept of the war on Christmas picks up again in the United States in the early 2000s. We're talking 2003 and 2004. This is the height of the George W. Bush years with talk show hosts like Bill O'Reilly. That is the guy who Stephen Colbert made his show to caricature. Bill O'Reilly was saying that the campaign by corporate America to get people to say happy holidays instead of saying Merry Christmas. So, you know, like, like when a cashier says happy holidays to you or, or Starbucks says happy holidays on their cups, that this is an, an attempt to assassinate the Christian nature of the United States. That, that's what the right wing is saying, you know. They say that this is an attempt to eliminate the Christian nature of the United States. A lot of this claim, you know, a lot of the, the big point and power behind this claim was an attempt after September 11th to reassert Christianity as the unifying feature of the United States. That is, as against the supposed Islamic identity of the newfound enemies of Christian nationalists in the United States. This continued and has continued ever since, with seasonally the quote-unquote war on Christmas rearing its head as a boogeyman that right-wing media invokes. So people like Tucker Carlson are now carrying this flag today. Remember that in the 2000s, Tucker Carlson was presented as a sort of like moderate and like thinking man's Bill O'Reilly. Today, Tucker Carlson just repeats the most fascistic thing that he can get away with saying on television, really, you know, pulling the rug out from under people like Nick Fuentes or Richard Spencer from even five years ago. Donald Trump also continued seriously in this sort of war on Christmas ideology, saying openly, like when he was talking on talk shows in his first presidential run in 2015 and 2016, that, you know, when he was president, people would say Merry Christmas instead of saying Happy Holidays. You know, he literally campaigned saying that he would force people to say Merry Christmas and claim that he won, you know, that people ended up saying Merry Christmas because he was president. Of course, the idea of the war on Christmas and the idea that this is an assault on the Christian nature of the United States is unchanging and, you know, doesn't react at all to the fact that Christian nationalism is ascendant and incredibly powerful right now in the United States. It doesn't change based on the fact that Christian nationalist ideology is deeply embedded in the Republican Party today or that it is an extremely dominant ideology in places like the Supreme Court in the United States or that it is essentially the ideology espoused by the previous president of the United States, Donald Trump, or by probably either of the main contenders for the Republican nominee uh, in 2024, that is Ron DeSantis or Donald Trump. That is to say, the war on Christmas is not so much a real thing as a propagandistic tool, an ideological backup for claiming that Christian nationalists are the real victims. You know, this is their attempt to get themselves to be playing the role of the victim in society in order to say that they need to be saved and that they need to be saved by a Christian nationalist cultural revolution. That is what they want. All right, that was 15 Minutes of Fascism, a sadly topical podcast covering the global rise of the radical right. I'm Dr. Craig Johnson, thanking Sleepy Kitty Arts and Sleepy Kitty Music for our intro, outro, and graphics. If you enjoyed the podcast, please like, share, and subscribe. Please leave a review on whatever it is you're listening to this on. And I mean that sincerely. Leave a review, like, share, and subscribe. Tell your friends, your family, and your comrades about this podcast. That's how people learn about it. If you really like the podcast, check out my Patreon at patreon.com slash 15 Minutes of Fascism. That's 15 Minutes of Fascism, all one word. 
That's also where you can reach me on Gmail, 15 minutes of fascism at gmail.com. I'm also on Twitter at hist of the right, that's H I S T of the right, and fascism15. Also, uh, just noting that later this week, our second episode this week is going to be released on Friday as opposed to Thursday. So that's just a heads up about that. All right, thanks very much, and I'll talk to you later this week. Mm-hmm.